Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about the absolute cause, symptoms, cures for a number of different things. It's just, it's crazy because there's a lack of critical thinking in the medical world. Uh, you know, it's kind of like hurt here, shoot here. You know, they're not really looking at, at the cause. But let's face it, is critical thinking taught in schools? No. So we have that rare thing that used to be common in our population. It used to be called common sense. But now we can call it uncommon sense. So today we're going to talk about the actual cause and solution for carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, elbow issues, and this is golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, and shoulder issues. But first, I want to announce next week, okay, July 19th through 20th, I'm going to be speaking at the Cleveland Chiropractic College in Overland Park, Kansas. Now, you can get this online, or you can be there. Be there or be square, yeah. Okay, no, no, when you, when you look at this, it's such a cool lineup. I mean, I'm going to be speaking for a couple hours on facts, science, how the body works. Deed Harrison's going to be there, and he is rocking. Dan Sullivan is, again, brilliant speaker. There's a couple of people speaking that I haven't seen before. Um, but, you know, anybody to be at the ICA or International Chiropractic Association event uh, is really going to be sharp because I love this group. Okay, so now let's get into our subject matter. Okay, and we're talking carpal tunnel, elbow, and shoulder injuries. Let's look at the two things, okay, um, or, or some of the two main um, causes of disease. Idiopathic means nobody knows. And iatrogenic means that the therapies actually cause the problem. So what does that have to do with um, carpal tunnel, shoulder, rotator problems? Because you're going to find out that even though there are contributing factors, they're not causative factors. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at what the Mayo Clinic says. They're saying rotator cuff injuries result from either uh, a substantial injury to the shoulder or progressive degeneration, wear and tear, repetitive motion, overlifting, prolonged period of time, may irritate or damage the tendon. And then the risk factors. Yes, age, people older than 40. Oh, you poor bastards. Okay, certain sports, athletes, construction jobs, family history. There may be a genetic component. Your shoulders are defective. Okay, now that's crazy. Okay, let's just look at human beings. Okay, and you could say, do cigarettes cause cancer? Okay, well, you know, immediately off the cuff, you're going to say yes. Well, does everybody that smokes, do they all get cancer? No, of course not. Uh, is it a contributing factor? Absolutely. Do vaccines cause autism? Uh, no, they don't. Do they lead to damage to brain inflammation that can predispose these kids to have brain damage and autoimmune conditions? Absolutely. But it's not a causative factor. It's a contributing factor. Okay, so these, when they're talking about age, certain sports, are there, is there anybody that can work at a physical job, moving their arms over their head like crazy, and not end up with rotator cuff problems? Absolutely there can be. I figure when I started my world of work, okay, which I was 12 years old running construction jobs or running lumber around construction jobs, um, 
on there. Now, you know, figure this out. I'm 12, 13 years old. There was one mad, crazy plasterer. Now, this guy looked kind of like um, the, the dwarfs from uh, Lord of the Rings. Powerful guy, really powerful. His shoulders were twice the size of a regular shoulders. He was 75 years old. He had two, they were called hod carriers, where they would bring the, the cement that he was putting or the plaster that he was putting on the wall. And he was shouting at his whole crew. And this guy was 75 years old, tough as bricks, moving like crazy, putting more um, plaster on the wall than, than anybody, and having a good time. Now, he didn't have any shoulder issues or rotator cuff injuries. So let's look at the real problem of this. But before we get into rotator, let's look at carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay, and this is a compression of the median nerve causing wrist and hand pain. And what do they say? They say there is no single cause. It's in, in many cases, it's a combination. What do they say are the risk factors? Um, well, you got a messed up wrist. Okay, fracture, dislocation, trauma. Sex. No, not more or less. It's male and female. Turns out that women um, have more incidence of this damage. Uh, chronic illness, inflammatory conditions, obesity, and an alteration in body fluids such as pregnancy. Okay, now you may have heard workplace, like continuative um, uh, motion or working with vibrating tools. What do they say? The scientific evidence is conflicting, and these factors haven't been established as direct causes of carpal tunnels. Um, several studies have evaluated whether there's an association between computer use and carpal tunnel. However, there has not been enough quality and consistent evidence to support extensive computer use as a risk factor for carpal tunnel syndrome, although it may cause a different form of hand pain. End of quote. So that's the Mayo Clinic. <clears throat> so when somebody comes into our office and they say, Doc, my hand's numb. It must be the mouse on the computer. I'll say, no, it's not. And they'll look at me like I've lost my mind. And I'll say, well, are the, do you know anyone that can use a mouse on a computer without wrist injuries? And they say, yes, they do. So again, let's look deeper. I'm talking critical thinking. So let's look at golfer's elbow or tennis elbow. What do they say? It's known as medial epicondylitis is golfer's elbow. Tennis elbow is lateral epicondylitis. It's just a part of where the flexors or extensors attach. They say um, the, the risk that can lead to this is racket sports, throwing sports, weight training, um, forceful, repetitive occupational movements, such as construction or plumbers, uh, risk factor, you're over 40, and performing uh, at least two hours of activity a day. So now, is there anybody that can do these activities and not get it? Of course. <clears throat> so let's look at the real cause. Number one, let's look at blood supply and nerve supply. Because if you have healthy blood supply and nerve supply to the shoulder, elbow, or wrist, you're going to have healthier function. Now, if you compromise blood supply or nerve supply, that you're going to have unhealthy function, or when you're utilizing that joint at its normal range. Because remember, in my world, I grew up with a 75-year-old guy throwing plaster on a wall tougher than any younger guy. 
So I think the older you get, the tougher you get. So where is this that our bodies are being defective? God didn't screw up on the design. So let's look at this. For one, let's look at posture. If your head is forward, that means if you're, cause if you're standing up straight, your ear should be in line with your shoulder. If your head is forward, you can compromise the blood supply and nerve supply to the shoulder, elbow, and wrist. So what type of things come from forward head carriage or from loss of curve in the neck? We're talking carpal tunnel syndrome. That's a double crush injury, rotator cuff, uh, elbow problems, bursitis, neuropathy, but also high blood pressure. So let's look at, and tonight we're going to have live on Facebook, and next week it will be put up on YouTube. We're going to show what's the difference between a proximal and a distal lesion. What that means is what part of the nerve is pinched. If it's right along the spine, it's going to be on a thin line called um, a dermatome. If it's pinched further away, like let's say underneath the shoulder joint or if there's damage, you're going to have a different nerve distribution. So the key is, is when you're looking at any shoulder, elbow, or wrist injuries, look at forward head carriage. And the only way to do that is to take an x-ray of the neck. But also, let's look at the entire shoulder girdle. You've got one bony attachment. This is called the clavicle. And you've got 18 muscles that hold that shoulder. And I'm talking the scapula, the humerus, the radius and ulnar. I mean, the entire body. And if you look at this, that shoulder, and I mean the scapula and all the muscles that support it onto the rib cage area. So does that mean that the rib cage, if there's any structural deviation on that, that every time you move that arm, that that can have a negative effect or it can have a positive effect? Absolutely. So we have to look at the structure. There's even a thing called the scapulothoracic joint, where this joint moves up and down, and it should move um, beautifully. Now, we do not have um, conscious control of the muscles that run down either side of our spine. They're called postural muscles. Phasic muscles, like arm and leg muscles, you've got control over those. You can tighten, loosen, do whatever you want. However, the postural muscles that run down either side of the spine are vitally important. Now, those are under um, not conscious control, but proprioceptive control. That means that if your head's forward, these muscles are tight. So what does that mean? So if the muscles that run down either side of your spine tighten up, if there's a problem with um, forward head carriage, does that mean that people with chronically tight shoulders should get their neck checked and their upper thoracic checked? Absolutely, absolutely. But also, if your head is forward, that's sending alternate information into the brain. So this is literally changing the information going into the brain. And this is one of the things I'm going to be talking about next week in uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Now, let's, let's look at bursitis. Now, you know, people will hold their shoulder, they'll hold their elbow, and they'll talk about bursitis. So let's look at this, because a lot of people will say, well, what should I do for bursitis? My physical therapist told me I should use ice and then heat. My doctor said I should use ice. My trainer said I should use ice. What should you use? Well, let's look at this. First, what you have 
is ligaments connect bone to bone. Tendons connect muscle to bone. Now, all the tendons, because muscles don't cross joints, but tendons do. Now, the tendon that crosses the joint, um, think of this, it would rub against the joint. So what there is, there's a soft cushion that cushions that tendon and surrounds it, and it's called a bursa sac. Now, the bursa sac, just like the synovial membrane, is filled with a superfiltrated blood called bursa fluid. So what does that mean? Bursitis. Itis means inflammation. So if you have a healthy um, bursa sac, that sac is filled with fluid, and sure enough, that it's going to cushion that tendon as that tendon goes, or as it moves, open and closes. Now, and that's how human beings work. So imagine somebody on a factory line 20, 30, 40 years. Could they do that without any injury? Absolutely they could. But what if somebody's doing the exact same work, but they had a football injury or they had an auto accident throwing their head forward? So they're doing the same repetitive motion that they had, but their neck has been thrown forward. And that compromises the blood supply and nerve supply. Well, if that bursa sac can't continually fill up with fluid and drain, fill up with fluid and drain, that continuous motion, it's literally like doing the work with a tourniquet on. So the bursa sac will not fill up with fluid. So then you get the tendon rubbing against that joint, rubbing against the sac. So what will that cause? That will cause inflammation. <clears throat> and it totally depends on where the, the, where the pain is from and what uh, professional is diagnosing you. They can call it bursitis. They can call it tendonitis. Um, they, they can call it uh, nonspecific joint inflammation. Itis just means inflammation. So here's the key. If you've been diagnosed with that, should you get your neck checked? Absolutely. And how do you do that? You need to get a, a neutral x-ray with your palate level, and then you need to get an x-ray of you looking up at the ceiling. So this is called a stress x-ray. Now, also, looking at the front, you need another film, and this is called a nasium film. And this literally means where you're looking at an angle at the rib cage and neck area. Because if there's any abnormal or structural deviation there, you've got to look at it. Uh, and if there is a problem, you have to correct it. So now, let's look at the structure of the, the forearm. Okay, and this is going to be carpal tunnel, golfer's elbow, and tennis elbow. And again, right now we're just looking at the structures and the things involved. In the next four minutes, though, I'm going to tell you about the solution. But now let's look at the carpal tunnel. Now, if you hold your palm open, okay, palm facing towards you, uh, now what we would do, I would literally open up the palm on a cadaver, and you could put a dime in between your thenar and hyperthenar region. Or if you look at the base of where your little pinky and your big uh, and your um, thumb is, right at the bottom where they join at the wrist, there's an uh, area called the carpal tunnel that you could actually stick a dime in there. It's that big. But now, look at your forearm. You have muscles on one side that when you close your hand, those muscles tighten up. The muscles on the back half of the arm, called extensors, open the hand up. Now, strength raise, it should be five to four, where the muscles that close the hand should be slightly stronger than the muscles that open the hand. 
Here's the challenge. In modern society, we're doing a lot of closing of the hand, not a lot of opening it. What I mean by that is you're doing a lot of typing, grabbing, lifting, but we're not making fishing nets, so we're not really utilizing the outside. Well, now those muscles, the flexors, attach on the humerus, and that's the big arm bone that has the biceps on it. Now, the flexors attach on the medial epicondyle, or the condyle, uh, the part of the arm that's closest to your body. The extensors, or the muscles that go on the outside, um, attach on the extensor epicondyle, or the, the part of the arm bone, the humerus, away from your body. And so since we're using this a lot, typically you're going to see the radius and ulnar, which are bones of the forearm, uh, the ulnar is usually going to be more medially displaced. And we'll cover that when we talk about adjusting the extremities. But just know that these structures have a good design. Now imagine if you've had forward head carriage and you're compromising the blood supply and nerve supply to that joint. And let's say that you're doing an activity that alters that normal joint function. Is that going to give symptoms? Absolutely. And the most frustrating thing for me is I'm looking at these websites after website after website, looking at um, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, uh, median nerve compression, carpal tunnel syndrome, a rotator cuff problems, supraspinatus tears. I mean, all of these, these conditions, not one is mentioning the cervical component or looking at the neck, looking at the nerves that supply it. I, I, it just blows my mind. So let's look at solutions for rotator cuff injuries. Okay, and this is hugely important. Which is the muscle that's most commonly injured in the rotator cuff? It's the supraspinatus. I know, I know. There's a couple of nerds out there that were raising your hands saying, I know, I know, I know. It was a rhetorical question. Um, my nerd friends, I am the same way. I get all excited when I know an answer to something. <laughs> so I'm with you. Right now, I'm virtually high-fiving you all. God bless you. Okay, but let's look at this. Why is the supraspinatus the most commonly injured rotator cuff muscle? It's not from repetitive motion. It's because it's the most easily damaged. That's because if the head is forward, this muscle goes on the top. Now, what you'll see is a lot of people will say, well, you know, man, this is a bummer. You tore a ligament. Okay, now, how many people have torn a ligament in that shoulder, okay, in that, that area? Uh, well, uh, could be a lot, could be few, but I got to tell you, let's look at the actual um, causes of this. When we're looking at supraspinatus, it's going to be the head forward. But what's the function of that supraspinatus do? It literally abducts or moves the arm away from your body the first 15 degrees. So how many times does a patient come in and, and they'll come in, they got this sad look on their face and say, yep, my surgeon told me I need tore my supraspinatus tendon and I got to get it refixed. And so I'll go in there and I'll go, okay, your arm's standing with you along your side. Now lift your arm. And if they can lift it from the side, the first 15 degrees, without throwing it out there, I can say with confidence, no, your supraspinatus is intact. You can even have the arm side 
laying with your their sign, okay, and putting pressure on it because supraspinatus does the first 15 degrees of motion. So we know it, it, that the ligament is intact very simply. And how can that be off? Well, because MRI inflammation distorts the picture and position distorts the image that the MRI is going to get. So an MRI is a, is, um, a rough interpretation of what's going on. Do not hold the MRI as gospel. So how do you fix a rotator cuff injury? Number one, get an x-ray of the neck, get an x-ray of the thoracic area. Uh, if you're going to really be a thorough physician, let's look at the lumbar because the entire thoracic area sits on that lumbar. Then let's look at the pelvis. So it's called holistic, but let's just look at every aspect, the whole body, to find out what the problem is. Okay? So you look at the neck, you look at the thoracic area, and then... Before you even work on the shoulder, you have to correct the problem. You've got to restore blood supply and nerve supply. That means you correct the problem. You restore the curve in the neck, correct the lateral deviation. Then you've got to do ligamentous exercises. This means not muscle strengthening. You've got to reform the labrum, which is the socket that holds the humerus. You've got to... Um, reform all the ligaments in the area that connect the bone to bone. Now, heat will be ideal. Why? Because heat is going to rush blood to the area. Remember we're talking about bursa sacs and bursitis and tendonitis? Well, that comes from lack of blood flow to the joint. So you don't want to use ice. Ice would make it feel better because it would shrink the swelling, but it's not going to fix the problem. A moist heat on a rotator cuff injury will actually rush blood to the area and help that area. But you have to fix the actual core problem. Now, once you've restored the, lig the ligaments, then you can strengthen the muscles. But one thing that, that physicians typically do is they'll do continuous passive motion exercises where they'll have you, you know, stand up, bend off to the side, and roll your arm in a circle. Well, not only is that completely crazy, but you're compromising, if, if you're laying on your side, your chin's down, you're compromising the blood supply to it, and then you're running it through a full range of motion, which it, you've got an unstable structure, you've got a distorted humerus, you've got a bunch of problems there. So you have to find the problem and fix it. Now, um, and then... Once you get the curve of the neck restored, the thoracic area restored, then you can start to do full range of motion. So look at the curve of the neck as the most, one of the most important things that you could do. Um, now we recommend a towel exercise, which is literally pulling about two pounds of pressure, have your hands right tight to your chest, pull it down, and then point your chin to the ceiling, then look straight ahead, and then relax pressure on it. This is a very, very common move that works really well. Or you can um, put your elbows on a kitchen counter or a desk or lay in your tummy with your elbows on the counter and your chin in your palms, and you're actually able to restore the curve there. You need to get to a chiropractor to adjust the neck. Now, cervical adjusting is very, very easy. You're only using about two to pound, four pounds of pressure, and it actually works. Now, um, when we're looking at carpal tunnel syndrome, 
Obviously, you got to check the neck, correct the problems, all of that. But this one's going to be a little different. Now, you're talking about compression of the median nerve. If you put a brace on a muscle imbalance, remember, strength ratio should be 5 to 4, the flexors versus extensors. Um, so what you want to do is work only the extensor. So we recommend a number 32 rubber band. And I'm going to demonstrate it tonight. It goes flower bud to claw, flower bud to claw. And you do this until fatigue. But you also have to have your chin elevated. Why? Because it was the problem in the neck that led to the bustle imbalance in the first place. Now, if you have pain, and a lot of people are going to have pain when they sleep, well, a brace will actually make the muscle imbalance worse. So what you want to use, an electric tape works great. Okay, you're just going to place it around the base of the metacarpals, and this is the, the bones right underneath your finger, right before the, the wrist, and you'd put your pinky and thumb together, and that creates a tunnel or a hole. And then you wrap tape around, and you'll see our carpal tunnel um, solution video. Uh, we show how to do it. Now, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, you still have to do that strengthening exercise. You've got to get the curb back in the neck, do the rubber band, um, flower bud to claw with a number 32 rubber band. You've got to get the neck curb back. And look at this, though. You do not want to put ice on golfer's elbow or tennis elbow, moist heat. Why heat? Because what does that do? That rushes blood to the area. Think of this. If you put a hot cloth on your arm and take it away, what color is your arm? It's red. Why? Because what you're doing is you're tricking the brain. The brain senses that difference in temperature by putting a moist hot cloth on there, and it increases blood flow to equalize the temperature. So you're tricking the body to increase blood flow to that area in order to stimulate synovial fluid production versus sac production, and that's going to help heal the tendonitis and the golfer's elbow and the medial epicondylitis. So, so it's hugely important that you look at how the body is uh, correct or, or built. Why? Because when you look at the important things that come out of the neck, not only do, does the nerve supply and blood supply for the upper shoulders, but this is also how you breathe. Okay, C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive. That's the phrenic nerve. So does that mean if somebody presents with carpal tunnel syndrome, elbow injuries, or rotator cuff injuries, that we should check their neck to see if they have, say, a breathing problem or a blood pressure problem or a cardiac arrhythmia problem? Should all of those be addressed? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why when we're looking at this, we're going to look at um, how long a neck has been out because... When you look at the most common type of degeneration, and this is called degenerative disc disease or DJD, it's also called osteoarthritis, that's not really an arthritic change. It's actually the body stabilizing unstable segments. And then we can look at the absolute insanity of prescribing a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or Tylenol. And the reason is, well, both of those, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and Tylenol, interrupts proteoglycan production, which is the building block of cartilage. And that's right. One in three Americans takes Tylenol. 20 billion uh, doses are sold every year. 
and it's also responsible for 56,000 emergency room visits every year from poisoning. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to get that? Well, you know, that's why people want to do things I don't know. But let's look at, um, I'm going to show a, a number of different pre and post x-rays tonight and and talk about curve restoration. Now, when you change the structure, <coughs> and this is literally you're changing the neck, you're changing the upper thoracic area, look at inflammation as a healing aspect of the body. That means that antioxidant-rich foods like goji berries, wild blueberries, dark chocolate, all of these things are a fantastic advantage to your body regenerating healthy tissue. So look at natural sources of vitamin C. Think of the scurvy, the people who were extremely deficient in vitamin C. They had horrible, horrible uh, joint problems. Teeth were falling out. Joints would pop and crack like crazy. I actually had a patient with scurvy once. And so oranges, red peppers, Brussels sprouts, strawberries, grapefruit juice, all of these things, these natural antioxidants. You know, pretty much if your grandma ate it, you eat it. And then look at vitamin A. Look at vitamin B. I mean, uh, you're talking sweet potatoes, kale, spinach, apricots. Just eat more plants and your body will have the antioxidants to heal. So when we talk about proper nerve supply, regular exercise, proper nutrition, sufficient rest and prayer and meditation, and I should add in a sixth one. Treat your body with respect, and the symptoms that it gives are actually clues to how it's functioning. So if you have symptoms of incredible health and dynamic energy, then you're doing something right. If you've got joint pain, neck pain, or anxiety, there's, there's a challenge. So treat your body with respect. Look at it in the mirror. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.